0: This is the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B, or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean
1: Kelly. Hi, gang. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report. Greetings from Studio B today. I'm Sean Kelly, and this is the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. You with us on a Wesley Wednesday. David Wesley from Fox Sports New Orleans uh, back with us. As usual on a Wednesday, we're talking Pelican basketball. Pretty exciting night at the Smoothie King Center last night. Pelicans did lose, though, to the Golden State Warriors. Just couldn't get it done down the stretch. 11 possessions, 2 points. And Golden State kind of escaped, if you ask me, with a win last night. Uh, but a spirited effort by the Pelicans, who unfortunately now are 10 games under five hundred, at 8-18. and 18. The uh, homestand continues tomorrow against Indiana. But we'll talk all things Pelicans with David Wesley coming up. And we'll begin our conversation here on this Wednesday about uh, Saints and Cardinals with our good friend Doug Mouton, sports director at WWL Television in New Orleans. Doug will uh, talk about kind of the state of the Saints. And I'll, I'll be curious whether he wants to talk specifically about the Arizona game or about the final three coming up here for the Saints, I'll leave it up to him. And I just might pick his brain, too, about high school football in the state of Louisiana as that came to a close this past weekend, and this is on me. I didn't touch a whole lot on it, but I know Doug and his staff over at Channel 4 were covering the two weekends, and so I do want to ask him about it because I think I think there's some interesting stories, especially specifically for some of the New Orleans schools uh, after the events at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. So we've got a lot on our brain today, no doubt. Uh, I came into work today, listening to a report about a scandal at Lake Forest, where one of their broadcasters was passing along game information to opponents. Crazy. Richard Sherman was blasting Thursday Night Football on on uh, one outlet on my way in this morning. Uh, yeah, it was kind of a world gone mad right into work today. So I'm hoping I'm hoping that things will right itself here with our conversations today on the Black and Blue Report, and then later on today we're going to give you some coverage from the Saints locker room after their first practice of the week, and that'll be yours on NewOrleansSaints.com. Uh, before I get out of here today, I want to tell you about a busy day tomorrow, not only for the digital side of the Saints and the Pelicans, but also the radio and television side for the Pelicans tomorrow night as that homestand wraps up. So I will do that for you in our final segment. Let's go ahead and take a break, uh, and when we come back, we'll start our conversations today with Doug on and then follow that up with a Wesley Wednesday. Don't you go anywhere.
0: Ah, the family tradition of driving around the neighborhood looking at holiday lights. Oh, there's Mr. Miller's house, but the curtains are open. Mr. Miller is vacuuming in his underpants. (laughs) And now your kids have a lot of questions, but it doesn't have to be this way. Win the night with the New Orleans Pelicans facing off against the Miami Heat Friday, December 23rd. Pick up a Pierre's party pack for tickets, food, and free throws. Visit Pelicans.com for tickets and win the night!
2: Hi, it's Mark Romig. When I'm not announcing
1: touchdown Saints, I'm listening to the Black and Blue Report. Saints back on the practice field today. And as uh, we said earlier, we're beginning our conversation as well about the Saints and the Cardinals this weekend, which will be played out in Phoenix on Sunday. And kind enough to join us as the sports director from WWL-TV, Mr. Doug Mouton, whom we have not had in quite some time. Doug, I'm very sorry that uh, I have not invited you back to our little podcast conversation here.
2: It's quite okay, Sean, but it's been a couple of months.
1: It sure has, and a lot has happened, there's no doubt. And even here in just the last couple of weeks, and full disclosure here, I've been with that basketball team across the parking lot from our studio here for the last several weekends, so I may be not as up to speed on the Saints as you are, and it's another reason to have you on to help us maybe get a, a state of the Saints, if you don't mind, here down the stretch in December.
2: Well, look, I, I tell you, I go back to when Kenny Vaccaro and Sean Payton said, and I want to say it was three weeks in, and they said, you know what, we don't have a big margin for error. And we have seen that play out throughout the year. Um, the one thing we knew about Saints when they broke training camp was that it was not a deep team. And to me, the biggest factor uh, this past week in the loss was that Max Unger didn't play. I think Max Unger's had a Pro Bowl year. He's been outstanding in the middle. Max Hunger doesn't play, and you know what? When you start filling in for those guys, for, for your primary starters, the drop-off is, has been very great, and the drop-off was great, and Drew Brees got beaten up a lot, and the offense struggled. There was one play when, when Brees had Brandon Cooks running free that he missed, and that one was on Brees, and then most of the rest of it was him sort of getting mauled. And it all goes back to uh, Sean Payton and Kenny Beccaro, I remember them both saying it, and they both said it the exact same way, which led me to believe they had a team meeting where they were talking about that. There's just very little margin for error with the Saints, and that that played out all season.
1: Yeah, it really has. You know, especially, gosh, Doug, during the first eight to ten weeks, wins and losses were decided by one score or less, it seemed. And I didn't know whether to be frustrated by that or encouraged about where this thing is going long term.
2: No, and I think that's ex- exactly the right mode. Look, you, you're looking at three straight non-winning seasons, and um, for anyone who, with the eyeball test, the last two years at seven and nine, and Sean Payton said this, and I 100% agreed that the seven and nine two years ago was in depressing and demoralizing. The seven and nine last year, I thought, was significantly more encouraging and honestly i thought the team would take a more of a step forward this year that they haven't taken although if you turn a couple of those losses around they probably would be looking at an improvement but but still but despite that you're looking at three straight non-winning seasons potentially three straight losing seasons and in the nfl that's dangerous for job security across the board
1: I saw an interesting uh, note yesterday, and I really, I, I, in all honesty, I haven't had the time to you know, authenticate it, if you will, but since the start of the 2014 season, only two teams in the NFL have not seen a winning record at any point during that time, Jacksonville and New Orleans, and, and the reason I bring it up is this, Doug, for some reason, I believe that New Orleans is on its way, and Jacksonville is nowhere close, and so that's what separates those two teams have you seen anything or is there anything left of this season to help bolster that thought that next year might be the breakout that saints fans have been looking for
2: yeah certainly i i see you see it almost every week now look the last two weeks since the Rams game the saints have honestly looked uninterested and and that's a that's a bad sign that's not a good thing you got three games to have a team that looks like they care and you need to do that and that's Critically important at this point, but yeah, you look, you look at any other game, and there's a ton of things to be encouraged about. Now, look, depth is still going to be a problem. You've got a team with salary cap issues, with dead money issues, a team that hasn't drafted well, and in my opinion, the biggest factor since the two Super Bowl runs in '09 and '11, Saints have given up too many draft picks. This is just me, but the Saints have traded up six times in the draft since '11, plus the two picks that the NFL took away. That's eight guys you didn't even try that you didn't take. And then in, in the last three years, the model team in the NFL, the Patriots, you're supposed to get 21 draft picks, seven a year. They've actually made 29 picks. So while the Saints are giving away picks, the Patriots are one of the team's stockpiling picks. So how do you fill in when Tom Brady goes down with, when you lose people through injury, well, from the Patriots, they've actually made eight extra picks. While well, the Saints have given away eight picks. So you've got 16 extra guys to choose from. And I think that's where a lot of the depth issues begin, is with a draft philosophy. I think you've got to stop giving away draft picks to have a better shot at fixing your depth. But yeah, the Saints absolutely have a lot of pieces in place to make a run, and you hopefully have two or three more years of Drew Brees at the current level, so you've got two or three more years to make a run with an elite quarterback. There's certainly reason to think a playoff run is in the near future, but you've got to fix some of your depth issues, and that's been a real problem the last couple of
1: years. I would agree on a lot of fronts there. Doug, speaking of Drew Brees, by the way, take away the last two weeks. Um, could you have envisioned the kind of season that he had put together you know, going through the Rams game at at his age and and and, every, and everything else, it seems almost to defy logic. Yeah, you know
2: what? And it's funny too because before the season, I would have thought, you know what? There's no way he can do it. And then. At training camp, when he had the one press conference at, at training camp, and all of us kept asking him age-related questions. And you could tell he was prepared for it and ready for those questions. And that's the one where he was trying to send a message about what kind of contract he wanted. He said, I can play for five years at this level, and nutrition is not the same as it was. And, and I, re- I remember standing there, and I've said this. To, to, people before, I remember standing, looking at him and said, you know what, he might be right because he was making, he was strongly making quality points about how this is not Johnny Unitas's era. And yes, guys can play longer. They work out differently. They train differently. They take care of themselves differently. And if you know anything about Drew Brees, you know, he's at the top of that scale. And so maybe he can. So I would say in June, I would have been shocked. But then after hearing Drew Brees in July, I thought, you know what? Maybe he's right. So I can't say I'm monstrously surprised. And I will say this about Drew Brees, and I believe this to be true. My dad was an original Saints season ticket holder. I started going to games personally in 1969. So I've seen a lot of Saints football. And I'm fairly confident that at whatever point I die, when I'm on my deathbed, I will have never seen another Saints quarterback play at the level Drew Brees played here. So, to me, <laughs> the mode for the Saints with Drew Brees was that we may never see this. In fact, we will probably never see this again in our lifetimes, a quarterback this good. I would say let's ride this pony as long as we can.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably a good idea. And I would say that you know, uh, his success is due in some part to that offensive line this year. And you mentioned Max Unger and how noticeable his absence was this past week. But, Doug, I'll be real honest with you. When we were breaking camp up in West Virginia and heading for the regular season, I had real concerns about the Saints offensive line. And they make me look stupid. I tell you what, that Saints offensive line has found a way most all this season. And that was something that I think most everybody missed on.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that completely. And, and the the caveat to that is they have no depth. And and that when you lose Max Unger, you can see that playing out. And when I talk about draft picks, that's a lot of what I'm talking about because if you could take those six picks and add, you know, a guard or a tackle, an extra center, add a few guys to where you're you're filling in with guys who have a shot to maintain. Um, you'd be better off, but yeah, I think the offensive line has been solid all year. Again, except for the last two weeks. Last two weeks have been have have sort of made you think, okay, what have we watched the first eleven? And now that's that's the biggest thing in these last three. What team are we going to see?
1: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, we didn't even touch on the defensive side of the football. What's that storyline like for you, Doug?
2: Well, certainly it's gotten better, and and certainly there's been improvement. Boy, it's hard when you start the season. And your top three cornerbacks are Delvin Bro and Keenan Lewis and P.J. Williams, and then two two weeks in you got none of them. So when we broke training camp, the defense we thought we were going to get obviously wound up being significantly different. So I can defense the one thing that stands out is Cam Jordan has played at an at an All Pro level, meaning one of the best two at his position in the NFL. I I I would argue that with anyone. I think he has been incredible. Nick Fairley had a surprisingly good year. On the inside, uh, Craig Robertson was a terrific addition at inside linebacker. There's been a lot of good pieces. Jarris Byrd has played better than expected. Kenny Vaccaro's had a good year, and the defense has gotten better. They've risen to 24th best in the NFL. Um, I certainly think there's reason for optimism with guys like Sheldon Rankin's coming. Um, you could certainly use some depth pieces. You could certainly use uh, a, a wider array of guys. Not having Craig Robertson this past week certainly hurt, and and – and the Saints have got to fix some of that. And I don't know if you can fix the depth issues across the board in one offseason. That's going to be hard. But the defense has certainly made drastic improvements during the course of the season.
1: Doug Mouton, Channel 4, with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Doug, I'm going to leave this a little bit open-ended for you here with Arizona coming up this weekend and then the two division games to finish. Um, whether Whether you want to look at – let me ask you – let me rephrase that. Do you want to look at this game as a singular event, as we would do most all season long, Saints and Cardinals? Or are you kind of taking a wider view and saying, okay, give me the last three, and here's what I think uh, I want to look at or Saints fans might want to look at here down the stretch?
2: No, I think you're exactly right. I think you look at this on a wider view, and you look at the last three. The playoffs, I know the Saints are mathematically alive. It's less than 1%, but you throw that at but you need to see it you need to see things going forward, and you need to answer some questions about some guys Stefan Anthony is the biggest mystery on this team you've got to answer some questions about whether guys can be part of this team going forward or what you need next year. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you you take a You take a three game approach and you need to see some progress because the last two weeks the last two weeks have have certainly uh, dampened whatever progress you made in the first eleven, and you got to fix that these last three. You can't you can't go in on the mode this team is in right this minute because uh, that that would just be a bad way to go into the offseason. That would be less than no momentum. You got to turn this thing around in the last three.
1: Doug Mooton with us here from Channel Four. Doug, one more one more Saints question, and actually more of a New Orleans question before we uh, talk maybe a little high school football. That is this. Doug, you're from New Orleans. You know, you've, you've worked here so many years. You know the market. Uh, let me ask you this about the, the Christmas Eve game between the Saints and the Buccaneers that has now been flexed to the late afternoon time slot. I think under normal circumstances, one would look at that and say, wow, okay, the NFL likes this matchup. They want to flex it into a higher viewership uh, slot. But yet, this is Christmas Eve in New Orleans. And I'm curious as to whether or not you feel like the NFL has done the Saints a favor here in flexing the game into a more of a primetime slot, or because of the nature of this market, it's a bad thing?
2: Yeah, I, I would say both. One, it's certainly. Uh, the NFL thinks it'll be a close, entertaining game, and it probably will be. But yeah, there's a lot of people who, who move into their plans. I think, I think for a lot of season ticket holders, they would much rather sit on a noon game, especially one without playoff implications for the Saints. I think, I think from from an organizational standpoint, for what it means about what the NFL thinks about New Orleans's competitive ability, even at five and eight, I think it does say something positive about how people view this team despite the record. But, yeah, I agree completely. Season ticket holders are going to say, oh, jeez, this, you know, that noon was perfect because then you could go to the game, go home, and then start either your Christmas Eve stuff or your Christmas Day stuff started in the afternoon. So I think it's both, and I think your your read on it's exactly right.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's, I think it's New York not having any any knowledge whatsoever of this, this market, but that's that's just my personal opinion. Uh, you know one thing that just concluded was the high school football championships that spans over two weekends now and there are nine high school uh, state champions crown Doug I, I've been out of touch with it but yet I want to recognize it because it's a part of our game here in New Orleans and the state of Louisiana uh, you know as you and your staff watched it covered it you know what stuck out to you about this year's uh, wrap to the high school football season
2: well, I'll, I'll say this: it was it was literally the best year in decades for New Orleans public school football. Um, we had two state champion New Orleans public schools, both happened to be four miles apart in Algiers. Carr won the 4A championship. Landry Walker won the 5A championship. It was uh, an amazing two teams to watch, brilliantly coached, and sort of the resurgence in New Orleans. Public school football. I guess you could say the resurgence sort of started with Frank Wilson at O' Perry Walker, which was a little more than a decade ago. Frank Wilson, of course, went on to be LSU's recruiting coordinator. He's now the head coach at Texas San Antonio. He's a Saint Augustine guy who he, in his first year at Texas San Antonio, led him to a bowl appearance and was carried off the field. So this is the guy with a huge future. He he did it out at o. Perry Walker. Uh, Tony Hall then did it at Warren Easton in the last few years, built this incredible program. And now to see what the New Orleans public schools are doing is incredible. And uh, the one kid who stood out from the weekend is a kid named Keaton Thompson, who's the quarterback at o. Perry Walker. I saw one of the recruiting rankings. And after this weekend, he went up 123 spots nationally, which is quite a jump for one weekend. He had six t- touchdowns in the state championship game. They played West Monroe, one of the traditional powers of North Louisiana. It was just fun to watch. These are uh, uh, dynamic teams that score a ton of points, and and it was just a great weekend. But what stands out, no question, about this year's state championships is what Al Giers was able to accomplish. Two state champions, and those two state champions, probably have a combined if you look at juniors at at least 40 or 50 kids who are going to play division one football between those two teams i mean it's two talented smart well coached uh crazy athletic teams that were just fun to watch all year
1: they should have a parade in algiers and honor those two teams that would be phenomenal they absolutely
2: should they should be doing something because we haven't seen anything like it certainly not in my lifetime
1: will the will the Will the private schools and the public schools ever come back together again?
2: I would like to think so. Nine state championships for a state the size of Louisiana. Obviously, way too many. Um. Although, if you go to the Superdome Classic, it's a blast. And the teams that got there certainly look deserving. But, yes, they need to get back to a point where they play each other. There's still long-seated animosity about – and it, it, the word that is used is used—is recruiting – from private schools. It's really not recruiting because that's your job at a private school is to recruit kids to your school. It's offering financial support and aids for athletics, which is against the rules in Louisiana. And has certainly happened for a long time. That's what caused the split, what fueled the split. And that really hasn't been resolved. They haven't figured out a plan to sort of rules that sort of the the private schools will stick to that the public schools will believe and as long as the public schools believe it's an uneven playing field they're not coming together i don't expect there to anybody to come together in the next two or three years the animosity is too deep but i but long term i would certainly think there's a chance they can come up with something they just need to get past the anger which is still high right
1: now yeah i agree with you and i hope i hope that it can be done Doug, great visit. I'm sorry it took us so long uh, to get you back, uh, and that's on me. But uh, this was very enjoyable and very informative. I appreciate it, and I hope you enjoy the weekend.
2: Anytime, Sean.
1: Doug Mooton, Channel 4 Sports, WWL Television.
0: Back after this. Hey, New Orleans. Here we go! The world's biggest party just got even bigger because NBA All-Star 2017 is coming to the Big Easy. You know about the big game on Sunday, but there's a whole weekend of fun. Starting Friday night, come check out the BBDA Compass Rising Stars Challenge and the Celebrity Game, then the D-League All-Star Game on Saturday. Even watch the best athletes in the world get ready at All-Star practice. Tickets start at just $10. Don't miss out. Visit nbatickets.com now. Got a long day ahead? Power on with Smoothie King's new Coffee High Protein Smoothies. It's a nutritious breakfast blended to shift your morning into high gear with delightfully smooth cold brewed coffee for your mind and at least 30 grams of protein for your body. Try all four energizing flavors, vanilla, almond mocha, raspberry mocha, and cinnamon latte and power on your day. New Coffee High Protein Smoothies, coffee for your mind and protein for your body, only at Smoothie King, smoothies with a purpose guess what day it is Pump day. well yeah and it's wesley wednesday on the black and blue report
1: welcome back to the black and blue report wesley wednesday now with david wesley from fox sports new orleans good to have you back david and uh, i can't believe we've gone from one wednesday to the next it happened in a hurry and a lot of miles in between how are you my friend
3: I am doing all right. Out running around doing uh, errands and honeydews.
1: Are you in the holiday spirit at this point?
3: Uh my holiday is already past. My favorite holiday is Thanksgiving.
1: Oh, okay. I could
3: I could take or leave Christmas.
1: You could take or leave Christmas. Well this bah, is humbug. this yes. is not where I thought that question was gonna take us.
3: <laughs> yeah, I uh I, I've the whole you know what Christmas has turned into has really turned me off, and it, it, I almost dread it more than I enjoy it. Wow. I love Thanksgiving.
1: Okay, all right. Um, yes, and we traveled on Thanksgiving, so it was really special for you this year.
3: Yeah, yeah. So we've done it a few years since we've since we've been together, and yeah. Um, but we're home for Christmas.
1: Woo-hoo! Oh my goodness! <laughs> How am I going to steer this interview back in the right direction? Uh, David, let's, let's start with last night, shall we? The Pelicans falling fallen a tight one to the Golden State Warriors. What did you take away from, from last night's game against the Golden State Warriors?
3: Well, the thing I take away is what I hope they take away. They showed what they showed all year, which is grit and no quit, but they made the plays up to a point. And then, of course, when you get down to the end of the game, they have to learn from those mistakes and correct them. They played a little tight that last three minutes, last four minutes. They played really tight. Didn't have the flow, didn't have the, the confident moves, and, and execution. But up until that point, they, they had a low or a drought in scoring, and then they picked it back up. They scored well enough to hang with the best scoring team or one of the best scoring teams in the league. They defended well enough to be right there in the game, with five minutes to go. And then, you know, you know, some people say the cream rises. The experience of being in tough situations, the know-how separated Golden State from the Pelicans. So, a great game, a great lot of stuff you can take out of there. Like, see, when we do it like this, we play well. See, when we do it like this, we don't.
1: David, there, you know in, in working on that point right there, there were several, and I'm talking about several as in many, I guess, possessions last night where that ball really moved for the Pelicans. You had that hockey assist type uh, possession that secondary scoring passes, we would say in basketball. And so I see that fans see that. they also see the grit and determination that you saw in the second half against Phoenix and then last night against Golden State. And I know what fans are asking today. Why doesn't this happen every game? Is that the great mystery right now surrounding this team? Well,
3: yes, uh, because they played a not-so-good Phoenix team uh, at times really well, but it wasn't a consistent 48 minutes. They did show that, that grit that they have. And then against another team that's not really good, a Philadelphia team, a Dallas team, where they just seem to not show up. Now, the Dallas, you'll give them travel and a weird schedule. Maybe, you know, one of those you chalk up as a loss. But Philly at home, inexcusable. And then you come out with a Golden State team. And obviously, with the better teams, you're going to be up for. You're going to be looking forward to. You're going to have some juice. There's there's a vibe in the building where you're going to play, you know, just a little bit better. But they showed how they're capable of playing. And Golden State tends to play into the, the style the Pelicans want in that the Pelicans do well when they get steals, runouts, early offense. Well, I think going into the game last night, Golden State was 22 in turnovers, 22nd in turnovers. Mm-hmm. So they kind of give you those opportunities to – to make those kind of plays, and the Pelicans did, for the most part, when they had to, um, and 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 therefore they looked and played really well. If they can create those on their own, put people in toughest uh, tough situations where they can get deflections. I mean, they high hands, deflections. They had a ton of them last night, and that helps your defense. Um, some nights. They don't do that, and therefore they struggle because they have to play a lot in half court. Teams are scoring. They have to play in half court. And uh, and they don't really play well setting up their offense and playing in the half court, or as well, I should say.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. Um, when you look at Buddy Healed, what do you see right now?
3: Well, you know, I, I, remember, I remember as a player thinking – I want to be out there with those guys. You know, when you play with the, the bench mob or the bench or the guys coming off the bench, and, and I'll say this when I'm playing because I don't see it as much now, but, you know, the guys that are in the starting lineup, they've been there, done that, they know how to play. Uh, you have the superstar out there with you that is taking some attention, drawing to. And you have more comfortable, open looks. The reason why those guys generally are starters is because they play a little bit better. It's a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more relaxed. He's starting to relax and play his game. When you start, you have a chance to kind of pick your poison. You know you may be out there eight to ten minutes at a stretch. Whereas off the bench, if you're out there three minutes and it goes bad, then you come out even if it's not your fault, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're playing that position that, you know, maybe you're backing up, you know, a guy who plays 35 minutes, you may not have those long stretches as you would in a starting role. So he has time, he's comfortable to kind of get out there, pick his spots, and he's shooting the ball better um, in the last few games. What he has to figure, what he's learning is, that, whereas in college you have the ball in your hand, you can shoot every ball if you want to, now you have to learn how to score in spots, Um, score when it's your turn, and then accept when, let's say, AD AD shoots 25 times, you may not get your 7 to 10 shots. You may only get 5 that night, and you have to accept that and be okay with it.
1: David Wesley, this on the Black and Blue. Reported as a Wesley Wednesday. David, between now and and the next Wesley Wednesday, there are three games. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm four actually. I'm sorry. Yeah, tomorrow night against Indiana, and then the three game road trip that sees you play Houston, San Antonio, and then at Philadelphia to wrap things up uh, for that stretch.
3: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I know, I know.
1: <laughs> everybody's everybody's schedule's wonky like that. Uh, and, yes, I just used the word wonky, which I didn't think I'd do today as well. Uh, there's a lot of things that yeah. are very interesting about this interview. Uh,
3: David, yeah, where would you even pull that wonky from? I, uh, I, <laughs> not one that's on the tip of my tongue. Exactly, wonky. exactly.
1: Yeah. Nor did I expect you to, you know, rain on the Christmas parade. But that's a whole other show. Oh. Um, <laughs> here's the question, David. You're sitting here at 8 and 18 right now. Um, if If you're not careful... Uh, and even if you are, there's a chance that by the time we visit again on Wesley Wednesday, you could be 8-21, and 8-22, and 22, or you could be into double-digit wins uh, going into to Christmas, which I don't think anybody wanted to think that that was the goal at this point, just to get the double-digit wins. But my question is this. In this next stretch, and if I'm being overly dramatic, you tell me, um, does the season hang in the balance over these next three to four games? Because... Uh, you could be anywhere from eight and twenty-one, eight and twenty-two, to maybe you're on an eleven-win team as opposed to eight and twenty-one or twenty-two.
3: You know, it's 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 really kind of tricky because you 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 know obviously wins give you confidence, they give you you know maybe a little pep in your step, and I think it's so important for this team to kind of to get on another three or four game. Win streak, and another three or four game losing streak, it it could it could change your approach, it could change your outlook, it could change your the fire in your belly sometimes to kind of determine. So, you know, it's kind of hard to say that these four games will kind of set the tone for the rest of the season, but they might. You just never know. You know. The only reason I wouldn't say that is because this team does play each and every night. They've been out of maybe two, maybe three games all season. So, um, you know, it's, it's 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 kind of a tough question to answer. But if this team has any chance of sniffing at the playoffs, they have to start putting some games together. They have to start winning games they're quote unquote, supposed to win. Um, they have to beat up on the, the Phillies and the Dallas's, uh, of the league. Um, and, and they can't really afford to, um, afford to lose any games that they shouldn't, but they also have to play like they did in that four game stretch where they beat a good Charlotte team, a good Atlanta team at the time. Um, and they had one more pretty significant win in that stretch, and I can't remember who it was. But they have to be able to win those types of games uh, if they're going to give themselves a chance uh, at the playoffs.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. By the way, Atlanta 12-13 and 13 now. Did you see that coming?
3: Uh, you know, I, I I had no idea, especially because, you know, they got out 9-2 and two and then they lose 10 in a row or 9 in a row or whatever it was. Um, you know, because at the time we were thinking, wow, great win now it's yeah you should have won that (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. yeah no doubt uh david i hope that your um your spirit is as strong today as you uh, do the honeydew list and the errand running Uh, i'm sorry i brought up the holidays um and I, i will not make it the christmas edition next week when we reconvene on december 22nd or whatever that is is that fair
3: yeah it's you know it's already here and i haven't done any shopping that's how much i love it okay i mean i have not even been remotely thinking You know, what does my wife want? I have no idea. I'll figure it out in the next, what is it, about 13 days? Yep, yep. 12 days?
1: Happy Festivus, uh, David. Yeah, I
3: know. Ah, humbug. I understand. That's me.
1: We'll see you tomorrow night on the television, won't we?
3: You will. You will. I'll be there uh, ready to go and, and looking at a team that we haven't Got a chance to see this year, Eastern Conference, and a team that's kind of been up and down. But, you know, they got their star back, and uh, we'll see how it
1: goes. All right. Pacers in town for a tip with the Pelicans at 7. Catch that on Fox Sports New Orleans with David Wesley, Joel Myers, and Jennifer Hill. David, my friend, it was always a pleasure, and I hope that you um, have a great rest of your day. We'll see you tomorrow night. All right, thanks a lot. Have a good one. David Wesley on a Wesley Wednesday. We'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report right after this final timeout.
0: This holiday season, give the gift of New Orleans Pelicans basketball to that special sports fan in your life. The Pelicans Holiday Plan, presented by Domino's, lets you pick four games to stick under the tree. Guarantee great seats to see Anthony Davis and your New Orleans Pelicans take on the biggest names in the NBA. Packages start as low as $40 and come with a free medium one topping pizza from Domino's. Visit pelicans.com to check another name off that holiday shopping list today. Hi, Vincent Palumbo here. Terminex is the home of the $650 lifetime termite repair guarantee. Terminex provides termite protection and pest control. Call Terminex for all your pest problems. 834-7330.
1: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Okay, I promised to tell you about a busy, busy day uh, here on campus and at the Smoothie King Center tomorrow. It starts tomorrow morning when we uh, lay down another black and blue report for you. And uh, we'll be, of course, uh, previewing tomorrow night's Pelicans-Pacers game. Uh, Jerry Greenberg will also be with us to talk the NBA as well. And then that podcast will be available for you afternoon central. Uh, Daniel Salerson and I will also spend part of our day tomorrow preparing for the Alvin Gentry show, which will air tomorrow night on WRNO 99.5 FM. That's the flagship station of the Pelicans radio network. That comes your way at 5.30 Central, which will then lead up to Pelicans warm-up at 6.30 and tip off on the radio network at 7. Meanwhile, on the television side tomorrow night, it's Fox Sports New Orleans for Pelicans and Pacers. Their coverage begins at 6.30 Central, and then uh, David and Joel and Jen will have the call of the game for you at 7 p.m. Central uh, from the Smoothie King Center. Oh, on top of that, it's a Thursday for the Saints, and so there'll be plenty of coverage on NewOrleansSaints.com all throughout the afternoon tomorrow as well so it'll be a busy busy thursday as both teams have lots going on here as we get closer and closer to the weekend so we'll look forward to seeing you uh, on the podcast tomorrow on the television on the radio hope that you'll stay engaged with us and maybe the best way to do that is uh as you're on the go this time of year as you're ought to be uh through your pelicans app or your saints mobile app great stuff uh as you're on the move and you want to check in or maybe check out of some of the things that you've got to get done uh, and just spend a little time with us. We'd appreciate that, and we hope to uh, be a part of your day. Uh, with that, we'll say thanks to our guest today, uh, David Wesley on a Wesley Wednesday and Doug Mouton from Channel 4, WWL Television. Good stuff, and uh, I learned something. hope you did, too. So with that being said, have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody, and we'll see you next time right here on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans the Black and Blue Report.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the black and blue report presented by ABC insurance agencies, a better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your
2: convenience, exclusively online at pelicans.com and new Follow your teams direct from the source, the black and blue report.